When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The 10th time they've made it! Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Elam Road podcast where on tonight's show we're going to be dissecting that much needed win against Forest on Saturday. Joining me for the task are the regulars Dan and Craig. Dan mate, how are we? Yeah, all good. Good stuff, Craig? Oh mate, much better than the previous episodes we've done. <laughs> exactly, I mean it's been pretty horrific in recent weeks but Saturday was much needed. We're going to get on to that but just before we get going guys, I mentioned a few episodes ago about we want how we want people in the comments interacting with the episodes, asking us questions, and we could potentially take them into the next episode. The first video that I did got a great response. We had about 15, 20 comments in the comment section. But since then, don't know where it's gone. So please keep dropping the comments so that we can interact and we can build this little community within the fan base that we've got going on because that's just good. It's good for the growth of the podcast. It's good for us to know what you guys want from the podcast, so on and so forth. Um, just before we get going as well, Subscribe to the YouTube and Spotify channels. Tell a friend about the podcast and also give us a follow on our socials as at the Elam Road on Twitter and at Elam Road Pod on Instagram. Let's just get straight into Forest. Dan, before we get down to the goals, how needed was that win on Saturday? Oh, very much needed. I mean, five defeats in a row, one win in eight before that. Um, was getting a bit too close to the bottom three for my liking. Um, yeah, so definitely needed. Um I'd like to be able to enjoy the second half of the season without us getting too close to that dotted line. I don't want us to get to the end of that se- end of the season relying on potential points deductions. Exactly. I want to see us, you know, stay above that line comfortably, even if they didn't have the points deductions or that they might get. So, yeah, massive just to give us a bit of breathing space again. Craig, it's felt like such a long time since we've actually won a game of football. Are you echoing Dan? <laughs> Yeah, 100%. 100%. It was so massively needed, especially with the run of games that we've got coming up. You know, the next five games are incredibly difficult with City twice, Liverpool at home, Spurs away, and uh, Wolves, who for some reason we can't beat at the minute. Um, it's it's just such a weight lifted off the shoulders, and it was so enjoyable at, at full time, just a, a pure moment of relief, it felt like. 100%. Let's, let's go through the goals, Craig. I'll come straight back to you as our goalkeeper union on the Elam Road podcast. Could Flecken have done any better with Danilo's opener? I've seen a few a few things on Twitter. I mean, as soon as it went in, I knew that there'd be he'd be getting grief. Yeah. People saying I give him the benefit of the doubt because I think he sees it quite late. Quite late. I think there's quite a few bodies in front of him. 
But I have seen people say that he could have sorted his feet out a bit quicker. Twitter jury's out for Flecken once again. Once <laughs> what was again. your take on the goal? <laughs> Uh, first things first, let's not take anything away from the goal because it was a fantastic finish. The the control on the on his thigh and then he puts it in the bottom corner. It was a fantastic finish. From where we are in the West End, where we are in the West End, we're just slightly to the left of the goal. And it looked like he got there. From where we were, it looked like he got there because he dropped to his knees and it was almost as if he thought it was going wide. And then when you see it from the angle of behind the goal or from behind the the person who took the shot, it's nestled itself right in that bottom corner. And again, I think it's one of those ones where if he had made a full effort for it, he wouldn't have <laughs> saved it anyway. But what's getting frustrating is I've stuck up for him for so long. And the fact he just drops to his knees when these things happen, it's starting to frustrate me. And it's, it's getting difficult for me to keep sticking up for him when it feels like he's just making the wrong decision. I never thought I'd see the day where Craig is actually maybe getting a little bit frustrated with Flecken, but it seems it seems like seems like yeah, there's a bit of a weird one as well because it's like even in watching it in real time, I know that it shouldn't make a difference. But if he dives and if he actually tries to make an effort, I don't feel like he'd be getting as much stick. It doesn't look, look good. It, do, it doesn't. It doesn't make it doesn't make it look any better if you just kind of get on your knees and slide towards the shot instead of actually diving. But I don't, funny thing, I don't think it's most one that... put in. <laughs> Go on, Dan. I don't think it's one that like you expect him to save, but it's one that perhaps sometimes, you know, keeper might pull off that, that type of save. But because he doesn't seem to like fully stretch himself out and he's almost like turning as he's diving yeah. because he's like seeing it go past him. And it, yeah, it just doesn't look good. And I feel like I want to see a, a few more where he, you know, maybe does pull off the save in those situations. Not every time, just, you know, now and then. Yeah. A bit more yeah. often than I, he does. Agreed. I've just got one last thing to say about him. Um, he needs to start earning us some points. He needs to make a, a either a match-winning save or a match-saving save. But at the moment, he's not doing that. Now... Be it. Let, let's just let's also address the fact that that was some shoddy, shoddy defending for their first goal. Yanelt, um, L. stinker. A, a, a terrible clearance from Yanelt, which has gone straight up, and a header which has gone just to the edge of the box. It wasn't out, wasn't cleared. It just dropped to their player on the edge of the box. He's put it in the bottom corner. Um, but I think he should be doing better. I think he should be yeah. doing better. Yeah, 100%. I think there's there's been a few goals like that where the defending's been pretty terrible, but Flecken either doesn't try to save it or makes a mistake and then we're all blaming Flecken. But it has to be said, Janelt's clearance there. Further proof that Christian Norgard should be in Brentford Goats and Janelt should be in elite Callum <laughs> if you're listening, mate. Absolutely horrendous take. Anyway, let's carry on. Let's, uh, let's go to the Tony goal, makes it 1-1. We'll talk about his return in, in more detail once we've kind of rattled through the goals. But there has been some noise in the Forest camp about the nature of Tony's equaliser. They've submitted a formal complaint to PGMOL saying that VAR should have had a look at it. Dan, I know we're slightly biased being Brentford fans, but they should probably be looking at one Matt Turner in goal, not sorting his wall out once Tony's actually made the angle. And two, the wall itself. I can't believe that Tony's been able to move the ball over to the right, so much so that he now can pass straight through that gap 
and he just scores. I, I, I was saying, I was saying to someone after the game, I felt like anyone on the team could have scored that goal. Obviously, you back Tony to score that goal more than anyone else, but it was fairly simple. So the Forest butthurt, Dan, is just driving me mental. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, firstly, I honestly, genuinely would have been very surprised if Ivan Tony didn't score um, mm. on Sunday. I have never gone into a game thinking someone's going to score so much. And obviously he's done enough interviews recently and he's bigged <laughs> himself up that if he didn't, if he didn't turn up, then, you know, it, it wouldn't have been great for him. Um, yeah, it was a weird goal. I mean, his, his last goal was also a free kick against Forrest, which is just a bit of strange irony as well. Um, but, but yeah, um, it's because the keeper is so fast down at the other side of the goal. All he has to do is like, put it into the corner and I think with regards to moving the ball a little bit I can't imagine that that doesn't happen every week somewhere and we're only drawing attention to it because the wall weren't enough over to cater for it because why would the wall need to be anywhere the other way anyway you should go further than you need to go because Mm -hmm. the keeper has is covering one side and the wall's covering the other side so yeah, because I don't even think he had to curl it. I think he just hit it almost straight into the goal. Um, yeah, but I don't I don't necessarily rate Matt Turner either, so it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I think he, he's dropped a few clangers this season. So, so yeah. many. I think it, it if you look at the replies, the, the and forest... their wall, their wall yeah. in front of their line. I know, well. yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, some of the Forest fans, they, they were saying about how shit Matt Turner was before the game. Um, and you're right, he's, he's had some big clangers this season. But I feel like, Cray, we we really needed that bit of shithousery. And I know that Ivan and Neil up top, we got a glimpse of it on Saturday. I tweeted after the game, when I was watching the game back on Sky, Neil Mope has a word with uh, Ivan Tony. Ivan Tony like, grabs him and whispers something in his ear. And Neil Mope goes off to, I think it was maybe Murillo, and winds him up. So the referee starts to break it up. And in that point, Tony's already moving the ball. So, so. He's not focused on where the ball actually is, but Craig, we need like that that little partnership up top. It, it gives me flashbacks. So, you know that Brentford compilation where we were, that season we were just the biggest shit houses in the league. Yep. Neil Mope was stamping on people. We were getting penalties. Molly Watkins diving at Barnet away. But I feel like <laughs> with those two up <laughs> with those two up top, Craig, I feel like we're going to cause some havoc. Oh, look, they, I'm sure I have said it, and it might have been this guy or the mayor, Daily Mail, whichever fucking interview it was, he did, uh, <laughs> where he says, uh, he gets asked, no, it might have been with Stu, actually, he asked about playing with Neil Malpay, and he says, yeah, yeah, we'll get a few players sent off. And you can <laughs> just see in that in that match that they're going to get in a few teams' heads, they're going to rattle off a few teams out there, and Forrest were one of them, because they were losing their heads by the end of it. Um, but yeah, you're right. Ivan definitely said something to to, to Neil, and just can't distract the referee for a minute while I while I do this. Um, and then after I, I will probably go into it as well. But after Neil scores and Neil starts running up to their players, going, and Ivan has to kind of go, "All right, mate, that, <laughs> let's let's go." But um, yeah, mate, I, I'm looking forward to them two playing together. I do like a bit of shithousery when it's not against us. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's that's not the first time Neil's done that as well. I remember ages ago, I think we played Millwall at home and uh, I think it was Sawyers that scored. And as soon as Sawyer, as soon as the ball hits the back of the net, Morpé runs straight up to their centre-back. who's about double his height as well. Just starts giving it to him. So he's, 
I love the man. And we're going to talk about Neil in more detail because I feel like with with what he did with the Penguins on Sunday, I, I've got a bit of a bold statement but and the way he talks about the club. But I digress. We'll, we'll come on to that later. Dan, Ben me back in the side, back amongst the goals, does offer that aerial presence from set pieces. Um, I think he mentioned in this post-match, the, the Brentford post-match, that it was kind of a perfect set piece. But I've more probably criticised the Forest defending for letting someone like Ben Mee just run across his man like that at the front post. But still, we'll take it. Yeah, I think I think the way we kind of plan set pieces is like someone acts as a blocker and then Ben Mee runs round. But yeah, it was a flying header, great goal, and he has a knack of doing that. And he's not the biggest centre back, so yeah, he's he's just got a knack of doing that. It must be his positioning and things like that. And obviously, it's valuable having him back in the defence as well, especially next to someone like Collins who can learn off him because um, obviously Ben Mees comes with all that experience and yeah, it was unlike him to get sent off against Villa and, and it harmed us a little bit um, both in that game. And since then, because um, I thought it was a bit of a silly challenge he made, but yeah, um, unlike him and he's back now and yeah, that was yeah brilliant header. Yeah. I don't think there's too much we can say about their second goal. Really good ball from Hudson Adoy. Good movement from Chris Wood, to be fair. Tias, if you're listening, we should have got him on loan because <laughs> he's been fucking on fire this season. <laughs> um, just before the goal, though, Craig, I do want to talk about Mikhail Damsgaard. Not, I don't want to say bottling, but definitely shying away from a potential goal-stopping tackle. I can't remember the Forest player that was there, but I feel like the Forest player kind of gets the better of him. But not not about the goal. Let's talk about Damsgaard, Craig, because I know you're you're a big fan of his. But I have seen some different opinions floating about as they do when Brentford play. Some people think he had a great game. Some people think he had a shit game. So what was your thoughts on his performance? I didn't think he had a shit game. Um, but I also wouldn't go as far as to say he had a fantastic game. He, he kind of did his job for me. Now, there are instances like the one you just mentioned where maybe his his build and things like that doesn't allow him to, to put in the heavy challenges that we want him to put in. Because if he runs into someone, he's the one getting hurt, not the other people. So it, it's to ask him to put that kind of challenge in isn't something that you would expect from a player like Mikel Damsgaard. But I think that he had a good game. Didn't have a great game, didn't have a bad game. It was just a good game. But you know me, I like him. I want him to do well. He's that player that I'm just wishing for success for. And I'm hoping sooner rather than later that he gets a goal because I just, I can't wait for the day. Yeah, I mean, Dan, what do you think? I think he's, I saw someone say that he's living off that Fulham at home performance last season. And <laughs> since then, he's he's not had a game that's above like an 8 out of 10. I'm still not utterly convinced by him. When I saw the team sheet, I actually thought De Silva after two good performances against um, Wolves in the Cup thought he might warrant that place in the number 10 where Damsgaard was playing. But I know that Frank's been utilising De Silva on the right so far since his comeback from injury. But Dan, what did you make of Damsgaard? I think he's still living off the Euros a couple of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> that was his last goal still. Um, I think it doesn't help that he came to Brentford with that kind of high profile because about a year before we signed him, obviously he had the injury in the year in between the Euros and signing. Um, he was like one of the biggest properties in Europe and like Barcelona and all sorts of clubs are looking at him so that doesn't help um I want more from him um I can't say he stood out against um on Sunday but I also don't think he had a terrible game like Craig but um yeah I just I just want more from him 
And if he, this is a time to perform when we've got injuries and players out and he's going to be starting a lot of the games. This is the time he needs to perform because otherwise when players come back, he won't, he won't get in the team. And yeah. he might be one that we end up seeing just leave and at some point we might accept that it's not worked. Um, I think obviously with De Silva, we're, we're lacking wingers at the moment. You can see how we can play off the right and cut in. Um, I thought we'd line up in a back four actually with Regulon at left back and with De Silva, Lewis Potter and Tony. Um, and I think that might have worked a bit better. Oh, I definitely said that after two minutes when they won the up. But um, <laughs> yeah, um, I want more from Damsgaard. Yeah, I think so too. Let's let's talk about <clears throat> Neil Mopay bagging the winner. Goal that gets better and better every time you watch it. Oh, I don't think we need to talk about how good the goal was because we've all seen it now hundreds of times. But what I was alluding to earlier with, with Mope is that I really feel like he has the potential. And I don't want to go all tier list on you boys because we've already done that. But he has the potential and we did it for a couple a couple of hours as well. By the time that, that recording ended, I was like, good. That I think any anything over two hours. Anyway, potential to become the ultimate Brentford goat. You've seen him down at the Penguins the next day. He speaks so highly about the club. Like I love, I love all of the quotes that I'm seeing saying how much he loves the fans, proper fans, proper football. He thrives off that. And I hope to God that we make it permanent, Craig. There were people a few games ago saying, nah, don't make it permanent, don't make it permanent. But then you see you see moments of pure magic, like that goal which he scored. Um, what a touch, what a turn. It puts it in the bottom corner. And then, like you said, the next day, the next day he's out with the Penguins and he's, he's supporting that whole program that Brentford have got going on on that side of things as well and I don't think you I don't think you're out of whack saying that he's got potential to be one of our not best enough players but <laughs> one of the, I, I feel like it shows I know he left funnily enough he left he went to Brighton and went to Everton but it just it just feels like he has a loyalty to Brentford and you don't feel that with very many players anymore when you, when you see a player who, from the moment they step onto the pitch to the moment they step off the pitch, is happy to wear the shirt and is happy to put his contributions into the football club off the pitch as well. He's a Brentford legend already, mate. He doesn't have to. We don't have to wait anymore for that. He's just everything that the club is, is what he is. Yeah, I think uh, the, the, the commentator, I was watching it back as well, saying a, a moment of rare quality from Neil Mopay. <laughs> that was quite he, funny. He quoted, that. he quoted that. I don't know if you saw that on his, on his oh, Twitter yeah, or yeah, Instagram yeah, yeah, yeah. afterwards. Yeah, he said rare quality. I was thinking when he saw that, he scored a very, not not too similar, but was his goal against Villa away fairly similar to that? Do you remember that one when he kind of no. touches it down and smashes it into the top of the net? Is that Was that not a similar one? No, he don't touch it. Did he not touch it down? I think he gets... I think he gets what knocked back and he just levers it. Oh. All right. Well, still a quality finish on his weak <laughs> foot. I thought I thought it was really good. <laughs> leads me on. Leads me on to the nice uh, to the next question nicely. Dan, we've already kind of mentioned the the Tony Neal link up. How did you think they played together on Saturday? Yeah. Well, obviously, first Ivan Tony on his own um, it just reminds us how good he is. Like he was by far the best player on the pitch not just his goal scoring. Um, I mean, he only had the one shot and, and obviously it went in, but just obviously his presence, it was nice to be able to have someone, a target up front again. Um, it was 
yeah, his passing. Obviously, he, he passed it out to Roslev for the um, for the third goal. Um, you can see how Morpé can like run off him a bit, like um, Mbumo does. Um, it would be nice if Morpé had a bit more pace to do that, maybe slightly better. Um, but you can see that they're both going to be a handful, and I think it might benefit Morpé because defenses might naturally focus more on Tony, and that might give him a bit more space up there. Um, but obviously when we play a five, I do expect us to go back to a four at some point, um, especially against the non-big six. And then obviously I expect probably more pay to drop out of the team then. So I'm not sure it's a long-term solution, but um, yeah, I, I mean, they had a good game. I don't think more pay would be scoring that goal too often. Um, yeah. Like the yeah. commentator said, but you know. <laughs> it's, it's a good point you make though about the, when we play in a five, Tony will obviously occupy a lot of their defence. Then he gives more pay a little bit more room to operate. So definitely one to watch in terms of when we play teams that aren't in the big six. We'll get on to our next game against Tottenham towards the end of the episode. Craig, I want to ask you just a general question about the game. I know I know Tony was great and it was billed to be this massive Ivan Tony return. We did the Undertaker thing before kickoff, which was a little bit cringe. But... Um, did you think it lived up to the hype, Craig? I thought Forest were actually equal to us for large parts of that game. I know we've, I, I actually, I recorded a voice note for a Forest podcast. I don't know when that's coming out, but I said it was probably a game that I thought actually could have gone either way in terms of the result. I don't know if I'm being too generous to Forest there, Craig. What do you think? Well, we're absolutely milked the shit out of Ivan Tony coming back. <laughs> All of the videos, everything, and then a billboard, a, a billboard. A pops up over social media saying he's back, and then the Undertaker thing comes out. Look, I, I after everything that I saw before that game, I envisaged him getting sent off or doing his ACL or something like that. <laughs> I'm so glad that that didn't happen. But after after we built it up so much, saying the King has returned, blah blah blah. Yeah, do you know what? I didn't expect a five goal game. I thought we'd. I thought we'd either. I thought we might nick it 2-0, 2-0, 3-0. He'll, he'll get on the score sheet. It was inevitable that he was going to score. Like Dan said, that it, if there was one player that you knew was going to score in one game, it was Ivan Tony scoring in that game. But, you know, anyone watching that game as a neutral, to see a, a Premier League game ended 3-2, I thought it was a really good game. It was very end-to-end, -end, very attacking from both teams. Yeah, it could have gone either way. And we got which never happens to us, the rubber, the green, where, where we're the team that comes away with the three points, you know? Um, I did have a couple of concerns coming out of the game. Although we won, I was a little bit concerned where it feels like teams don't have to work very hard to score against us. Um, we've touched on it already, a bit of sloppy defending from Yanel and Ben Mee were not a great clearance. Um, and then we're playing three centre-backs and we get split by a ball in. And a free header for, for their centre forward to, to, to make it 2-2 at that point. I feel like all it's done is kind of identify the frailties that we have in different areas across the pitch. Mm. Um yeah, but I, I just want I know we spoke about him earlier on, but I just want to touch on how more confident I felt with the ball at Flecker's feet when he had someone to aim to. So yeah. all season he's been trying to put the ball on the head of someone who isn't taller than five foot ten. So be that Wissa, be that Emboma, be that Malpe, be that KLP. 
now he's got Ivan. Someone is going to challenge for that ball every time it it goes long. And it's the first time this season where we played a few more long, successful passes out from the goalkeeper because he's had someone to aim to. And, you know, prior to this game, we had Neil Malpe playing against two Wolves centre-back who are both seven feet tall and he was never going to win ahead of that game. So I, I, I think it did, long story short, yeah, I think it did live up to the billing and I feel like it was quite an entertaining game for us, for Forest fans and for the neutral who watched it. Yeah, I think uh, it has to be said as well, just to play devil's advocate, that Forest have came into this game off the back of back-to-back wins against Newcastle United away and Man United at home. So it's not like they're... And obviously the new manager bounce won't last forever with Nuno in charge. And they did have a lot of players at AFCON and they did have more Gibbs White out and Alanga. But, <laughs> you know, we, we did play well. I, I was surprised, a good point you mentioned about Flecken. I think uh, oh, Mope's goal actually comes from Flecken to Tony, who then does a one-two with Ben Mee, I think it is. So he, he was distributing it quite nicely. But I guess... I was surprised to see us still trying to play out from the back, but I guess that was kind of by virtue of the fact that we were playing five at the back as opposed to a 4-3-3, whereas if we were playing a 4-3-3, we could lump it up to Tony and then we got two runners on each side as opposed to just more pay. Um, Dan, let's get on... Let's just get on to Tony because I feel like with the more people that I speak to, people have got different opinions about him. Obviously, we absolutely need him and he's a great player. He scored 20 goals for us last season, accomplished Premier League striker now. But I feel like there's a bit of a demographic difference in if you speak to some of the older fans now, I feel like they have problems, a lot of problems with what Tony is saying in interviews. And don't get me wrong, I do too. I do too. They piss me off too. But I feel like I've spoken to a few people now and they they kind of say, do you know what? If someone comes in for the right money, we'd, we'd get rid of him. So Dan, what, what do you think? I'm going to ask you both a question that I was going to ask you in the middle. But um, Darren Lewis actually asked me the same question about the January transfer window and the potential for Tony to move before it shuts. He said, if a club came in like Chelsea and offered you 80 million quid plus Armando Broja, who who is reportedly, uh, Chelsea reportedly willing to sell in this window, would you take it, Dan? No, I don't think so. I, I don't think any clubs are in a position to pay as much as we want at the moment, to be honest. Um I think whoever comes in might take some time to settle. They might not settle straight away. We know what we're getting with Ivan Tony. We'll know what he'll give us. We're in a position in the league where we do need him. Um, I don't particularly like what he says about the club either, but it doesn't surprise me. I don't think he said anything new in the last couple of weeks that we didn't already know. Um, I think when he talks about moving to a bigger club, you've got to think he didn't grow up as a Brentford fan. Obviously, he's, he's grateful. I hope he's grateful to us for what we've done for him. But any footballer would want to play at the top if they can. Um, and obviously, he's not particularly young. So he's going to want to do that. But he's not refusing to play. He seems to, he seems to also, on the other hand, want to help the team. Um, he's obviously got relationships with Thomas Frank and with, with, the, with the other players. Um, and I, I think we'll get still a decent amount of money from him in the summer. I can't see him staying beyond that, but I think we'll get still a good amount of money that we can reinvest into a replacement. Um, I, I don't think January is the best time for us to buy a replacement either, because if it's not included in the deal with whoever we sell, um, then obviously we'll need a replacement. Um, 
so yeah and there's not not long left now either so yeah i just think i can't see it happening and i think we need to just make sure we're staying up first yeah i think for sure to say that his comments are pissed you off in an interview and that's the reason that you want to sell him i feel like bigger picture might might be needed because if we do sell him it's not guaranteed that whoever we get in is going to score as many goals or have the same presence on the pitch and it's not just his goals either it's his presence on the pitch like if we'd have lost if we'd have lost that game on saturday i would have been so surprised because it just it's build up ivan tony's return he's got a swagger about him he's got a confidence about him he can win balls he can win jewels he can drag teammates through it and to say that just because of a couple of comments and interviews which i'm not saying are okay i'd much rather he say i want to play for brentford i want to help them i want to repay them for the faith they've shown me over the last eight months whilst they've been paying my wages um to say that I'd rather sell him now and cash in and maybe take another hit at a different striker, I think it's a little bit short-sighted just because I said to Darren Lewis, it's not guaranteeing survival, but with Tony fit for the rest of the season, you're giving yourself a pretty good chance, Craig. Yeah, 100%. Let's, if we're going to talk about Ivan Tony, the thing we need to talk about is money as well. That, that's one of the biggest things that we need to touch on. Is, is 80 million now worth more than 130 million in the summer be it i mean we finished we finished what if it's ninth last season we got 130 million pound in prize money for finishing ninth in the premier league so the risk now i even if he went i don't think it's likely the risk of us possibly going down is worth the 40 million pounds that we're going to lose between now and and then if if we if we were saying we're going to sell him for 100 million now, but we sp- sell him for 60 million in the summer, that to me is is worth it over the yeah. hundreds of millions of pounds that we are going to earn by being in the Premier League. Yeah, it's just it is just so fucking annoying though. There's just some of the comments that he makes, and then you see all the quote retweets, and it's like how Brentford fans love this guy so much. It's like. <laughs> I do love him, but just because he's good at football, like not for any other reason, it's because he scores us goals and he's going to probably guarantee us Premier League survival. But it, it would just be nice for him to come out in an interview and say, I want to play at Brentford. I'll get this big money move because we all know it's going to happen. But yep. for now, I'm a Brentford player and I'm focused on my football at Brentford. I feel like in that interview that he did with Patrick Davison, he just missed out the at Brentford part and just said, I'm focused on my football and scoring goals. And it's just like, well... You know, that's only going to attract more fucking people to want to buy you in January. I, I kind of imagine a video coming out, like from Brentford on the first of February or something like that, where he <laughs> where he says, "I'm a Brentford player," blah, blah, yeah. blah. and I just feel like they're scared to 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 possibly say that in case someone stupid like Tom Bowley goes, "Here's 100 million. <laughs> and then we look like <laughs> idiots. He said to yeah. Pontus on a call, didn't he, that he's staying? He did. Um, he did. Yeah. He did. Yeah. But Would you have made and, then days, and then a few days later, he's, yeah, and then a few days later, he goes on an interview and, and says, if a top club comes in, he wants to play at the top level. But, you know, do you, do you know what, Ivan? You, you handed out all these bloody interviews and no appearance on the Elian Road podcast. So you can fucking do one, mate. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's uh, let's get on to the rest of the action before we talk about the January transfer window. Relegation big picture. I thought it was a nice little cameo from Region, Dan. Yeah, I thought he should have started, to be honest. Um, even if he wasn't fully fit, I thought having someone natural on that left-hand side is better than not have it, having a midfielder there, essentially. Um, also, I imagine he can't play against Spurs. So, 
he's we're probably not going to see him for a couple of weeks now. So I thought, um, yeah, it would have, it would have been good for him to get more minutes in him um, on Sunday. Um, he hasn't been injured as far as I know, so he would have just been a bit short on that sharpness. Um, I understand he hadn't he hadn't been with the players for many days, but it, it, when we haven't got any other left backs, I thought that he would have been. Um, a better option and we're going to talk about Keen Lewis Potter in a minute and I don't think it helped that he was kind of filling in that role when that's not where he plays yeah Craig let's let's talk about KLP um as Dan mentioned playing at left wing back didn't really have a t- I didn't think he had a touch in the first half and then in the second half he has that very good chance clear most cl- most clear-cut chance of the game probably to to make it I think they would have made it 2-1 I think I think so yeah, I want to say yeah to make yeah. to make it two one, and he also has a chance where, uh, to be fair, the other chance where he runs down the wing and then cuts it back. I thought he probably if he had just shown a bit more onus and just taken it on himself, he probably might he probably would have scored. He back into scoring that situation, but yeah. I would like to see him play against Tottenham. And without talking about Tottenham too much because we're going to do that at the end, uh, Craig, what did you make of of his performance? We're just putting that down to playing out of position. We've had to do that for so many weeks with so many players about playing out of position. Uh, yeah, very, very, very clearly not a left wing back, not a full back. Sam Angoda stepped in, he did a great job, fantastic. Obviously, he kept getting caught out with that bat post, um, ball across the goal where he was conceding so many goals like that. And also, fantastic to not concede a goal like that this week. Um, but so very clearly, so very clearly not a full back. And I was so, I know we scored from the resulting corner, but you've just mentioned it. I was so frustrated with how he didn't run direct. He was not direct enough for me this week compared to when we played Wolves at home and we lost 4-1. He was probably our best player that, he was our best player that day. He was incredibly direct. And we said if we had someone like Ivan, we'd have scored a few more goals that day. But yeah, I think if we put it back down to him playing out of position for the majority of that game until Neil Malpe went off for Regulon and he went up top. Um, yeah, I just think I think it's harsh to say that he didn't have a great game, which he didn't. <laughs> it's just he's not a left back, very clearly not a full back, not a defensive player in any way, shape or form. Yeah, 100%. Before we move on to, to the middle section of the podcast, anything else from the Forest game that either of you wanted to touch on? Would you have made Tony captain? Um, Good question. Um, Probably not from what you've been saying. <laughs> the, th- the thing is, I feel like you it, it adds to the storyline of it being inevitable that he's going to score. He's captain. It's his first game back. If I was Thomas Frank, which I'm not, if I was Thomas Frank, I wouldn't have given him the captaincy after the way he's conducted himself in interviews. I'd be telling him to get some fucking PR training more than anything. Um, but especially with with players like Ben Mee and, and other people, other senior players on the pitch, probably wasn't necessary. But again, it kind of boosts his ego even more. It makes him even more confident. It's his first game back in eight months. He's leading the lads out. It just adds to that kind of narrative. Craig, what, what would you do? To be honest, like guys, it cut out for me for a second. I didn't actually hear what the question was. <laughs> <laughs> he said he said I'm would just, you he said would you made Ivan Tony captain? captain. Um I think it kind of stirred the pot a little bit and made him more up for it in the same way that you <clears> just explained. But I I've watched the highlights back a couple of times just to try and see if I could pick up on little bits of his behaviour and things like that when he's on the pitch. And I've watched 
obviously bar the goal he scores, which he looks like he's just gesturing that he's staying. He does the the I'm here kind of thing, I'm staying kind of thing. Um, and then from the Ben Me header, he's at the back post, and you just see him turn to the West Stand and celebrate him. And then the way he reacts with Neil after the goal as well. I, I feel like on the pitch, he's very much a Brentford player, and I don't have a problem with him being a captain. Off the pitch, he's a dickhead. <laughs> do you know? Do you know what I'm really looking forward? Well, I'm not looking forward to it at all. But the the meltdown when Ivan Tony scores against us for the first time in the Premier League, and he celebrates, and he celebrates. in front of the West Ham, and he celebrates. Because <laughs> remember how bad Oli Watkins got? Oh my god! He's sprinting down the pitch of the West Ham. <laughs> going to be it's going to be it's going to be a fun day on twitter i, I always enjoy brentford meltdown it's always good fun uh let, let's move on to the middle section due to the winter break not too many big storylines floating about at the moment in terms of the wider premier league picture so i thought we'd talk instead about the january transfer window some tiny talk which we've obviously already kind of covered and the relegation picture dan <clears throat> where else do we need to strengthen now we've got a new left back that that Frank's asked for, and now that Tony is back, I, I've seen that we're still in the running for Etiquette from PSG on loan. Injuries coming back, hopefully in the next month or two. Well, Norgard will be back sooner rather than later. Hickey was off in Switzerland skiing, so I don't know when he's back. Sharder, I still don't know when he's going to be back. And uh, <laughs> Brian, I think it's another couple of months. <clears throat> is there? Do you have any worries? that will spend unnecessarily in January and then have an influx of players to get rid of in the summer? Because I'm already looking at some of the players in our team and some of them are expendable, I'd say. But where do we need to strengthen, Dan, in your opinion? Um, I think this is also the area that we are trying to strengthen in, but um, someone to compete with Mbumo on the right-hand side, because on the left, you've got KLP and Sharda. Um, obviously, at front, you've kind of got Tony... Um, more pay and Wissa, I suppose. Um, I think we need another natural um, right winger to compete with Brian. Um, obviously, I know Brian's a tough person probably to displace, but you need another option up there. Um, and I think that's what we have kind of been doing if you look at the targets we've had recently. Um, I don't think we're the sort of club to panic by or not plan things in advance. I hear even like with Regulon, I think we first made contact in November yeah um obviously we we knew that that would be an issue with rico out um and also we didn't want to bring in a permanent left back i assume because we know that we there's not really a need for one if rico's around um and it's very difficult to get someone who wants to be back up because rico's not not going to be out of our, our team so yeah may, maybe that kind of right winger but it wouldn't surprise me if you don't do anything um, I think Ekitike can play across the front line, as far as I know. Um, but I also think he's in talks with Frankfurt in, in Germany, and I think he's closer to joining them than us. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't think we'll do anything else, to be honest with you. Don't think we'll do anything else? Really? I don't, yeah, I, I, I don't think we'll do anything else before the end of January. We've got, we've got like a week now. I, I just can't see it. Yeah. Craig, Craig new goalkeeper? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, only if like uh, Peter Schmeichel wants to come out of retirement or something like that, chuck him in net. Bring back, uh, bring back Stuart Nelson. Bring back Stuart Nelson. Um, what happened to like, 
what what happened to that young lad from Betis that we was looking at? That there was loads Stop of talk that we put yeah. a bid in for him, and then all of a sudden, that, that young lad from Diao, Diao, Asan Diao, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I did see that. Yeah, I, th- I think yeah. I don't think there was anything in that. I'm not sure there was anything in that. Well, the new rumours are that we put in a new bid matching his um, release clause. How true that is is uh, is up for debate also. Um, but, yeah, I'm kind of with Dan, you know. I don't think we need anyone. No? Okay. All right. I, I would have thought we we might need another another option up top. But I guess we are kind of covering that if we're pursuing players like Ekatike. Um, but it is, it is a difficult one because we do have players coming back and we aren't uh, ones to panic by, as you shrewdly pointed out, Dan. I do... Um, Let's talk about the wider context of the win on Saturday. Teams close to us in the table, with with Tony back and with cover at left back now. How how are you feeling in terms of the bigger picture, Dan? Obviously, we've got games against Spurs, City twice, and Liverpool coming up, as as Craig mentioned at the top. Are the teams below us going to be the difference in terms of whether we stay up or not? Or are you now hopeful that off the back of this win, we can we can build on something? I would be if we'd have kind of swept Forrest away in the fashion that I thought we might after getting a goal. But I feel like that first goal really killed the game. And then from then, like you said, it was end-to-end. But it wasn't like a, a performance that I come away with saying, oh, yeah, no, we're going to be fine now. Yeah, it, it might get a bit worse before it gets better looking at our upcoming games, um, especially as we still look quite weak defensively. And if we line up even with that back five that still looks weak defensively, against the likes of Tottenham and City twice and Liverpool, then we could be on the end of quite a heavy defeat. Um, but there is a period, I think, around the start of April. Um, our running this season, I remember last season, it was it looked very difficult on paper. Our running this season is much nicer. Um, but obviously, you never know what can happen when you get to around April time, um, if we're very close to it um, with nerves and things like that. But you're hoping that by then we have a full squad near enough back um, and by then we'll have enough to at least win, um, you know, some of the home games we've got coming up um, against like Sheffield United um, and teams like that. So um, I think we'll be, I do think we'll be fine. I I don't think we'll actually need that many points. I don't think the bottom three this year, uh, very strong i think it's a good year to probably struggle to be honest um but yeah i think it might get a bit worse in the next month and then improve craig you're laughing Um, yeah i was looking i didn't realize what what's a terrible run of fixtures we've got coming up dan (laughs) great great point our last six games of the season consist of sheffield united at home luton away everton at home uh, everton away fulham fulham bournemouth and newcastle but our next 12 games, if we get, <laughs> I, I, I really, I'm really worried. If, if Brentford fans are going to go on, rattle them off. Rattle them off. Spurs away, City at home, Wolves away. And then we've got Liverpool and City back to back at home and away. Then we've got a winnable game at West Ham. And then we play Chelsea there. and Arsenal. What's that, sorry? Always winnable at West Ham. Always win at West Ham, yeah. <laughs> and we've got Chelsea and Arsenal back to back. And we've got Burnley away. 
which should be a winnable game. And then we've got United at home, Brighton at home, and Villa away. So nice. it's these next 12 games. Yikes. If we can get through <laughs> these next 12 games and be 10 points above the bottom three, by the time we get through these 10, 12 games, we will be fine. However, <laughs> we're, we're six points above that bottom three now, and I don't see us getting six points in twelve games, unfortunately. Hey, let's 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 talk about the next game because I'm quietly confident for Spurs. Genuinely, and you think you might think I'm mental, but I'm I'm I want us to I want us to play back forward. I think you will, obviously, but Tony will be back. Can't see us changing the lineup too drastically. Maybe apart from Aya coming in at right back, and hopefully uh, Christian Norgard will be fit to start. Dan, how are you, how are you feeling? The, the only reason I say I'm confident is because I, in some ways, I feel like it's a perfect game for Tony. We know Postecoglou likes to play attacking football sometimes at the expense of defensive solidarity, and teams that play against the Postecoglou side genuinely tend to get a lot of chances. I remember watching the Bournemouth game, and I feel like Bournemouth had loads of chances against them. Um, in that respect, I'm not confident, but I, it's not a game that I look at in the terms of the next 12 uh, with regards to something like City away. I'm not sure we've got any chance of doing what we did last year, but Tottenham away, it's not really a ground we performed well. Well, I don't know, we won there last year, but the year before, I remember we played them on a Wednesday night and it was incredibly flat. We didn't get going at all. But how are you feeling in terms of that game, Dan? Uh, well, first of all, I think it'll be a five again because we've still got that left-back problem if Regulon yeah. can't play. Um and I think that's the issue. Who plays there? Because I wouldn't put Lewis Potter there again. It would make sense to probably put Yanel yeah, there no. if Norgard's back. Obviously, that is contingent on Norgard being back. Otherwise, Yanel's probably needed in the middle. Um, yeah, possibly De Silva coming in as well. Um, maybe for someone like Damsgaard. Um, it will hinge on how our defence holds up, I think. Um, obviously, they'll, they'll bring a lot of... Their strength is normally pace, to be fair. And someone like Werner likes to run in behind. I don't think we'll leave much space for that to happen. I think we'll go into a low block quite a lot. Um, so I think we'll be quite difficult to beat in that sense. Um, but they do have quality. If they still don't have Madison and they don't have Son, then I think we that increases our chances because then they don't really have maybe like a quality attacker. Mm-hmm. Son, um, Son's at the Asian Son's Cup. Son's at Asian Cup. Yeah. 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 So I assume he won't be back by then because that's not it's not that far away, is it? So yeah, I don't know when Madison's back. I know they've got their centre backs back though. So yeah. Defensively they'll be there. But they've got they've got Son Saar Basuma all away at Asian Cup slash AFCON, but Hoybier is in for for um Saar and Benton calls come back from injury and Skip did really well against United in the last game and they've also bought Werner, Dragushin, Van der Ven is fit again who who I thought was a really good player although you know Van der Ven right when we played them on the first day of the season I actually thought he looked really really defensively shaky and then kind of since then everyone's raving about him saying he's one of the best centre-halves in the Premier League but who knows a lot lots of firepower in the side so it's going to be tough. Craig what are you thinking ahead of the game? I'm I'm always trying to be an optimist, and I really do feel like I don't know why, but I reckon we could we might be able to nick something. If I edge to the side of optimism, then yeah, maybe we could get something. <laughs> if if KLP plays as a left wing back, I don't think we'll have much success going forwards because 
Marpe just doesn't have the pace to be able to... They play such a high line. We saw it. The game that I'm thinking of is Chelsea, when Chelsea done them 4-1. And they had nine men and they were still playing on the halfway line. So mm-hmm. if we can get KLP to make runs from deep and we can breach that high line, then I think we'll have, have a lot of success, especially with a player of Ivan Tony's calibre stepping in the way he did against uh, against Forrest. But if he plays left wing back, funnily enough, I think he's the player that this game is hinging on. I think KLP is the player this game is hinging on because we need a pacey forward to be able to break that line that they're going to play. And I love Neil Malpe, but he's not that player. He's not the player to be able to beat someone for pace. Has to be King <laughs> Lewis Potter. There was, there was a point in the game against Forrest. Uh, Ivan Tony played it to Neil Mope and he tried to sidestep the Forest centre half and it just went so terribly wrong. <laughs> it's just he just does not have that burst of pace. But look, I, I think I've solved it. You stick iron at right back, you go for either Collins, Pinnock, or me in the two centre half positions, stick Yano at left back, you go Jensen, Damsgaard or De Silva or KLP. Oh no, 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 sorry, no not Damsgaard or De Silva. Jensen, Damsgaard, De Silva, or Norgard if he's fit in the middle. And then you go KLP on the left, Tony on the uh Tony up top, Morpe on the right. If that makes sense. Does that make sense? I, I reckon we go with a back four. Back four. Yeah. This is gonna be so out there. This is a bit this is a joke, by the way, before people get mad at me. <laughs> he said Yanel left back. <laughs> <laughs> Yanel left back. I a right back. Uh go go uh Ethan Pinnock bed me and play Nathan Collins at a defensive midfield. Just chuck him in front of them and let let Jensen you know and Silva run around. Yeah, I'd be on board with that. He's got John Stones-esque kind of ball-playing centre-half ability about him. I wouldn't be opposed to that. Thomas, if you're listening, mate, you heard it here on the Elam Red podcast. Is the... It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> the, I've, well, this... I've got my whiteboard somewhere out the back if Thomas needs a few hints. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's not going to happen. But, I mean, in no. these games, we've, split, we've said it so many times on the podcast before, we've just got nothing to lose, especially if you look at the next 12 games. We may as well try and win one of the games against the big six like we had such a great record against them last year granted we didn't have all the injuries that we have this year but i think we low block and we try and defend against tottenham for 90 minutes you've seen how ruthless they can be in front of goal this season even without the likes of son so it's going to be tough so it would be disappointing if we set up in a five and we get battered the whole game especially with just tony and more pay up top there's not really a counter-attacking outlet in that especially if klp's pushed all the way back to left wing back so we shall see, but it promises to be a good game. We've got over a week until the game and yeah, it's going to be good. Remember, just before we get going, guys, drop the comments below. I mentioned at the top of the show, I want to see more people in the comments interacting with what we're saying. Get some questions in for the next guy. I'm going to get a Spurs podcast on probably this weekend. So keep your eyes peeled across socials for that. And in the meantime, don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube and Spotify channels Leave a rating as well as it helps us out massively. And also give us a follow on our socials. That's at the Eden Road on Twitter and at Eden Road Pod on Instagram. Craig, Dan, it's been a pleasure. And we shall see you next week.
Social Podcast Network.